What's going on? Happy Tuesday. I got a lot of extra candy left over. You guys are going to start seeing a lot of candy around the studios here starting tomorrow. Just a heads up. I mean, the Reese's all got eaten. That was my pick. I bought the Reese's, and that was the crowd favorite, even though we only had like 10 kids to come by the house. But I think it's because it's a new neighborhood. They didn't know we were there. And what's the deal with all of the, all the parents just driving around, making the kids hoof it? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm fine with the kids hoofing it, but... <laughs> Like I saw one guy, uh, he came by and he had his little daughter with him, and uh, and he was limping the whole time. But he was walking. And I see some of these other people; they're riding around in golf carts and just what happened to us, America? Really? Anyway, welcome to the program, News Talk eleven ten ninety nine three WBT. The phone numbers are seven zero four five seven zero eleven ten one eight hundred WBT eleven ten. You can email me, Pete at ThePeteCallanerShow.com, and that is Callaner with a K, followed by an A, and then an L, and so on and so forth. Um, <laughs> I-N-E-R, K-A-L-I-N-E-R. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Pete Callaner. So uh, let me start with a, um, well, I'm, what I'm going to do is the intercept report on the leaked documents that came out of the Department of Homeland Security. It's their plan to police disinformation, misinformation, and malinformation. I think they called it MDM, uh, misinformation, disinformation, malinformation. And uh, Red State says the Department of Homeland Security's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. Oh, God, imagine putting that on a business card. What's that? You don't know what a business card is? Imagine putting that in a QR code. Okay. Um, this is, uh, you're going to hear me refer to it as the CISA or CISA or CISA. CISA. Or maybe it's, maybe it's a hard C, like a ch, like a CHISA. Anyway, Department of Homeland Security's CHISA has been hosting meetings with internet platforms and allowing those platforms to flag for deletion any material to which they object. This, until now, secret program resulted in the federal bureaucracy meddling in the 2020 elections. Pretty big claim. That's bad, right? I would think, isn't that bad? Is that bad? Meddling in elections? No, yes. Layton Woodhouse is a journalist and documentary filmmaker. And he said the absolute epitome of the media industry in its current form right now is the, the reporter on this Intercept piece that broke this story, probably the biggest story definitely of the day yesterday, um, Broke this story for The Intercept, hardly a right-wing rag, right? The Intercept is a lefty publication. Uh, this was started by Glenn Greenwald, and he was eventually uh, uh, pushed out because he objected to how far down the path of uh, censorious uh, wokeism they had gone. And uh, then Glenn Greenwald started his own substack. But this was the, this is The Intercept, right? And the reporter is a guy by the name of Lee Fang. No relation to Swalwell's uh, old girlfriend. <laughs> Lee Fang um, appears on 
Tucker Carlson show last night. And Leighton Woodhouse says that the absolute epitome of the media industry is Lee Fang dropping a blockbuster story of national importance and the response from journalists on Twitter is to line up to scold him for appearing on Tucker Carlson's show. This is a perfect example of the problem that the media has created for itself. By the way, media folks, if you have such concerns about people's, um, well, or, or well, I'll say it this way, if you're so worried about our democracy, right, one of the one of the things that erodes trust is we don't have a common understanding of things that are true and are not true, right? And part of that is because media has abdicated a lot of its responsibility to decipher those things and to produce content that is credible. And part of that equation is tied to the notion that you are willing to go after anyone in power, that you're not carrying water for the regime, that you're not just a, uh, a, a, you know, a private sector spokesperson for the government. People then lose confidence in what you report. And when they lose confidence in that, they go seek information elsewhere and then everybody has a problem uh, with the common understanding of truth. Okay, I am being told that the station is not on the website or on iHeartRadio. So if you cannot hear, if you cannot hear me right now, give me a call. Oh, wait. All right, so uh, I will relay it to the engineers. We'll check on that during the break. But here's the opening line from Lee Fang's piece at The Intercept. The Department of Homeland Security is quietly broadening its efforts to curb speech it considers dangerous. This according to an investigation by The Intercept. Years of internal DHS memos, emails, and documents obtained via leaks and an ongoing lawsuit as well as public documents illustrate an expansive effort by the agency to influence tech platforms. The work, much of which remains unknown to the American public, came into clearer view earlier this year when DHS announced a new disinformation governance board. Remember that? The old Ministry of Truth effort that was mocked and ridiculed and, and then abandoned. This panel was designed to police misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation. Now, those, are, those are different things. So they, they define misinformation as false information spread unintentionally. Right? Like, as God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly, right? Like that kind of thing, you didn't know. Disinformation is when you spread false material that you know is not true. And then there's malinformation, which is factual information shared, typically out of context, with harmful intent. Malinformation, which that's a weird one. Is that could, like malinformation with so many things could fall under that category, no? Couldn't say, for example, the Monica Lewinsky affair, could that fall under? Yeah, especially in the early days of the reporting, right? Before things got confirmed and it all blew up. Mal- oh, here's another one. The Steele dossier. Might that be? Oh, no, because it would have to be factual for that to be. All right. Okay. So these are the three things that the uh, Ministry of Truth, the Disinformation Governance Board, was supposed to police, right? They said that they needed to do this because it threatens U.S. interests. 
And while the board was widely ridiculed, immediately scaled back, and then shut down within a few months, other initiatives are underway as DHS pivots to monitoring social media now that its original mandate has been wound down. What was its original mandate? The war on terror. Right? That's what DHS was originally set up to do, and now there's not so much stuff to do anymore. So, yeah, let's police the big tech platforms and go after Americans. Almost as if somebody, I'm trying to remember, were there people that predicted that this kind of stuff might happen when you expand the federal government in the wake of a crisis or a catastrophe? I'm trying to... I seem to recall there was there was one guy... I think he may have even been in the Senate at the time. Maybe he ran for president. It'll come to me. Mark Pellin at HeadlineUSA.com writes, Newly disclosed leaked documents from the Department of Homeland Security turned a glaring spotlight. Oh, it was Ron Paul. That was his name. Ron Paul. Remember him? I knew it was Ron Paul. Save your emails. I knew it was Ron Paul. Right? These were the these the concerns about this mission creep from the Department of Homeland Security turning its tools from the war on terror to big tech platforms and censoring people's comments on things that are deemed to be, you know, critical to our infrastructure, to our security infrastructure was foreseen. It was predicted because it was completely predictable. This is the natural tendency of government. It is to take more from the people, more freedoms, more liberties. And the natural tendency of people is to yield to government encroachment on their liberties. It is the natural tendencies. Newly disclosed documents from the Department of Homeland Security turned a glaring spotlight on the long-running efforts that the Biden administration has tried to hide from the public about its extensive and coercive collaboration with big tech to police free speech and censor social media. Those efforts predated the creation of the Biden regime's disastrous disinformation governance board and have been extended and expanded after its demise, according to new reporting from The Intercept. The bombshell revelations resulted from a combination of emails DHS leaks and meeting minutes and other records appended to a lawsuit filed by the Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt, which alleged that Biden regime officials pressured and colluded with big tech companies to censor views they found objectionable and deemed to be disinformation. Those machinations have ranged from the scale and scope of government intervention in online discourse to the mechanics of streamlining takedown requests for false or intentionally misleading information. This is one of the, the so I, I look through the PowerPoints on some of this stuff and it, it, it was kind of, well, and it's going to be difficult to kind of explain, but think of it this way, right? They created a way, a streamlined way for people with government email addresses to make requests directly of Facebook to take stuff down. So your login credential essentially was your GovCo pass, uh, uh, your GovCo email. So once you got access, you could just immediately go over there and you could report. So you could do this yourself, right? Somebody comes to you and they, uh, you know, they send you some harassing email or 
or they start spamming you or it's a fake account, right? You can report them, but you know, you could just your report is going to get thrown in with all the schlubs, right? All of us schlubs, all of us peons, we're just going to uh, throw in our reports and, oh, my gosh, this person's harassing me. Oh, they're communicating threats. I'm like, yeah, maybe we'll get to it. But if you got a GovCo email, you can get the special portal, and then you can say, I want to take down that New York Post story about Hunter Biden's laptop. And bing, there it goes. I'm wondering, where are all of the anti-fascists today? I'm curious, in the wake of this reporting at The Intercept, where are the... Behind closed doors and through pressure on private platforms, the U.S. government has used its power to try to shape online discourse. This according to The Intercept. According to meeting minutes and other records appended to the lawsuit by the Attorney General, um... Discussions have ranged from the scale and scope of government intervention in online discourse to the mechanics of streamlining takedown requests for false or intentionally misleading information. Quote, platforms have got to get comfortable with government. That is a quote from Microsoft executive Matt Masterson, a former DHS official, texting Jen Easterly, a DHS director, In February, platforms have got to get comfortable with government. It's really interesting how hesitant they remain. That was this February. In March, Laura Demlow, 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 she's with the FBI. She warned that the threat of subversive information on social media could undermine support for the U.S. government. And we cannot have that. We cannot have that because we all know the U.S. government doesn't do anything wrong, ever. Demlo, according to notes of the discussion, attended by senior executives from Twitter and J.P. Morgan Chase, stressed... What? J.P. Morgan Chase? They're not a big tech platform, but... Why Why is this big bank in on these discussions? Look, if you guys want to accuse people of, you know, believing in conspiracy theories, I would just, you know, humbly submit. Don't give them things like this to start thinking that there is some grand conspiracy between all of these different sectors. Like if you if you stop behaving like this, maybe the ideas that you're behaving like this don't don't get promulgated in the first place. right? <clears throat> so this FBI uh, official, Laura Demlau. She stressed that, quote, we need a media infrastructure that is held accountable. A media infrastructure that's held accountable. And she's talking about a social media infrastructure. She's talking about people posting stuff on social media. She's talking about American citizens posting stuff on social media. She's not talking about, I mean, she's not talking about, you know, major publications like the New York Times and the Washington Post peddling things. You know, like the like the Steel dossier or 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 PP tape or something like that. No, no, no. Not talking about that. She's talking about things like um, what is this? This this parody account with fifty six followers that that posts memes. That kind of. I mean, the real threats to the democracy. Well, that in the Hunter Biden laptop story, right?
News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The stream team has been alerted. Uh, we understand that there is some problem on uh, on the stream, different platforms on the website and on the, uh, I think it's on the iHeartRadio app as well. So uh, that is being investigated by our crack stream team personnel here at uh, Radio 1. Uh, so I apologize for folks if you uh, are getting, well, if you're getting this, you can get it on the podcast. That'll go up. That's not right. That's not going to be a problem. The podcast will will get loaded. And so if you miss the first hour, of course, I'm talking to people that can't hear me right now. So I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so, But it'll be up as a podcast, as they always are. Um, DHS's mission, Department of Homeland Security, according to the Intercept report, DHS's mission to fight disinformation stemming from concerns around Russian influence in the 2016 presidential election began taking shape during the 2020 election and over efforts to shape discussions around vaccine policy during the coronavirus pandemic. So think of this. Department of Homeland Security starts its new mission on disinformation based off of what initially? The 2016 presidential election. And and what are they talking about? They're talking about the Russian interference. They're talking about the blue and non conspiracy theories that Russia hacked the election, changed the results, and put their puppet, Donald Trump, into office. Right? This blue and non moonbat conspiracy theory. This is what prompted the DHS, the Homeland Security Department, to start their disinformation efforts. Look, I don't deny I, I mean, there have been enough reports and investigations and even some charges brought on Russian meddling in the election, which is not new, by the way. Not new. But remember, the size and scope of that was very, very small. They had set up some Facebook groups. They even did, a, right, they did some sort of a, uh, what do they call it, not Black Lives Matter, but Black Matters Lie, something like that. But it was like a play on the words. And they actually did one of these rallies here in Charlotte. Some local guy with a Facebook page, and he got some support from some weird people that showed up, like, with no necks and speaking in Russian accents and stuff. And, um, yeah, he didn't know what was going on. And, like, 40 people showed up at his little rally. But the whole point was to stoke divisive uh, fears in people and to get us arguing against each other, right? And for people who, I guess, had no idea how commies behave, I, I'm like, I don't know. This is kind of par for the course. The idea that they wanted Trump or that they wanted Hillary, people who make that assertion, I think they failed to grasp the, the real strategy, which is simply to sow dissent and division. That's the purpose. It's to make people not trust their institutions. It's to make people question the results of elections. Right? This is all part and parcel of that kind of an operation. Hey, American intel agencies do this in other countries too. But that's what prompted this. And then in 2020, we get the pandemic. And we can't have these people talking about where this virus may have come from. And we can't have people talking about whether those masks work. And we can't have people talk about whether uh, a COVID vaccine shot is better than just, 
you know, ventilation in the schools. Oh, no, no, we can't have these discussions in our free-flowing, discussing society, to quote the uh, former Congressman Mel Watt. But no, we can't have these kinds of discussions, not on social media. People might get a wrong opinion about something. How disinformation is defined by the government has not been clearly articulated, and the inherently subjective nature of what constitutes disinformation provides a broad opening for DHS officials to make politically motivated determinations about what constitutes dangerous speech. Exactly. What is disinformation today versus maybe it's not disinformation a year from now? Like the P-tape. Or the Trump is a Russian spy. Or Carter Page is a Russian asset. Stuff like that, right? DHS justifies their goals, which have expanded far beyond its original purview on foreign threats to encompass disinformation originating domestically. They have shifted their goals. They have expanded beyond the original purview. They claim that they need to do this because terrorist threats can be exacerbated by misinformation and disinformation spread online. But the laudable goal of protecting Americans from danger has often been used to conceal political maneuvering. In 2004, for instance, DHS officials faced pressure from George W. Bush's administration to heighten the national threat level for terrorism in a bid to influence voters prior to the election. That's according to former DHS Secretary Tom Ridge. U.S. officials have routinely lied about an array of issues, from the causes of its wars in Vietnam and Iraq to the more recent obfuscation around the role of the National Institutes of Health in funding the Wuhan Institute of Virology's coronavirus research. That track record has not prevented the U.S. government from seeking to become arbiters of what constitutes false or dangerous information on inherently political topics, though. And you would think it should. What's amazing are all of the people of the left, on the political left, that are not outraged by this. How could you not be outraged by this? Again, this is not some conservative, MAGA-loving, right-wing website that's publishing this I mean, it is a very lengthy piece. It's like eight pages printed in Garamond, 11 point, not that that matters. But anyway, the extent to which Department of Homeland Security initiatives affect Americans' daily social feeds is unclear. We don't know. During the last election cycle, 2020, the government flagged numerous posts as suspicious, and a lot of them got taken down. And... In documents that have come out of the lawsuit from the Missouri Attorney General, we kind of get an idea of how many. There was a 2021 report by the Election Integrity Partnership at Stanford University. It found that of nearly 4,800 flagged items, the tech platforms took action on about a third of them. They would remove them, they would label them, or they would call it um, soft blocking meaning that um, you could not see the thing unless you clicked the button to say you want to see the thing, like they, they gave you the warning, right? You're about to read something that the regime does not think is true. The research was done in consultation with the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, though. 
Prior to the 2020 election, tech companies including Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, Discord, Wikipedia, Microsoft, LinkedIn, and Verizon Media, they met on a monthly basis with the FBI and the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security, or yeah, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, or the CISA, along with other government representatives. Is this concerning? This is de facto censorship by government. That's what this is. And considering the fact that the disinformation board was shut down publicly, but the operations continued and still continue to this day, that should be troubling to all Americans. All Americans. Particularly people who are supposed to be the defenders of democracy and lovers of free speech. Hundreds of internal documents expose top U.S. government agencies working closely with social media companies like Facebook and Twitter to censor American freedom of speech under the guise of fighting disinformation over several years, as obtained and reported by The Intercept. Investigative journalist Lee Fang broke the story yesterday, confirming what Americans have feared in the current age of censorship that only authoritarian regimes could only dream of enacting in a nation founded on the unabridged right to freedom of speech. That from Brandon Dre at Daily Wire. So The Intercept, again, this is a very, very lengthy piece. They've got links to all of it. You can see all of the documents that they are citing as well. Um. Where was I here? In 2018, following high-profile hacking incidents of U.S. firms when Congress passed, uh, that prompted Congress to pass and Donald Trump to sign the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency Act, and that formed the new wing of DHS that was devoted to protecting critical national infrastructure. From the outset, the CISA boasted of an evolved mission to monitor social media discussions while routing disinformation concerns to private sector platforms. So this is a Homeland Security sub-agency. It was tasked with protecting critical national infrastructure. They said, hey, countering disinformation related to content that undermines trust in financial systems and courts. That's a pretty expansive Description, no? Anything that undermines our trust in the financial institutions or courts or elections or whatever. Like, what if, like, I don't know, what if some people do some shady stuff in one of those institutions or in many of those institutions? And knowing the truth would undermine the American people's confidence in those institutions. So wouldn't then you be required to censor that information from getting spread around social media, even though it's true, it may not meet the definition of disinformation, but it could meet the definition of malinformation, right? Where, you know, things like, uh, here's, I'm just going to make this up, okay? Just just blue sky and spitballing here. Uh, let's say... Let's say a pandemic breaks out and you uh, don't have enough masks to go around. And so you tell everybody don't buy the masks uh, when in actuality uh, people would have benefited from the masks. 
So, you, but you told them don't buy it, and then you come out later and say, "Okay, now buy it." I mean, I'm just just making something up here. Well, with the initial lie that you told, if you're a GovCo official telling that lie, the noble lie, as it were, if you're telling the noble lie and people are saying, no, 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 that's a lie. Don't believe that GovCo official. They're not telling the truth. You would be censored. But then when the GovCo official turns around and says, aha, it was a noble lie. I was just protecting all of the PPE uh, supplies for the frontline workers. Now everybody else can go out and get some, you know, dish towels and wrap around your faces. And then people say, well, wait a minute. That's a reverse of what you just said. Well, that too could get you censored because don't you see, you're undermining confidence in the institution. In 2019, DHS created a separate entity called the Foreign Influence and Interference Branch to generate more detailed intelligence about disinformation. And then a year after that, in 2020, the disinformation focus expanded to include COVID-19. Under Joe Biden, the shifting focus on disinformation has continued. In January 2021, the CISA replaced the Countering Foreign Influence Task Force with the Misinformation, Disinformation, and Malinformation Team, which was created to, quote, promote more flexibility to focus on general MDM, which is Mis, Dis, and Malinformation. By now, the scope of the effort had expanded beyond disinformation produced by foreign governments to include domestic versions. Every single year, they keep expanding the role. Meeting records of the CISA, Cybersecurity Advisory Committee, the main subcommittee that handles disinformation policy, shows a constant effort to expand the scope of the agency's tools to foil disinformation. In June, this advisory committee that includes the uh, head of legal policy, trust, and safety over at Twitter, Vijaya Gatti, 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 who's now been fired, um, they drafted a report calling for an expansive role for the agency in shaping, quote, the information ecosystem. The report called on the agency to closely monitor social media platforms of all sizes, mainstream media, cable news, hyperpartisan media, talk radio, and... Oh. Oh. Uh. All right, next hour, uh, we're going to talk about uh, cute cat videos. Right here on the Pete Callender Show. What? <laughs> 